0: Hey, time for you to reach your full potential Getting into health and fitness, this is what you're missing Going hard, I ain't nothing gonna stop you Go on a journey with genetics coach, Laura Rogers. Yeah, yeah, here to take you to the next level Been in the health and fitness industry since 07 Working with so many athletes Push it to the limit with world champions, yeah And some Paralympians Hey, working from Brisbane to Singapore We train, we
1: going hard, all out, we keep it raw Laura Rogers, let's go Superstars, you will really, really want to listen to this episode. My good friend, old swimming teammate, now sports dietitian, Sam Armstrong, dives deep with me into all things the keto diet, which, let's face it, Most of you don't even know what that is. And most of you are following it blindly. So we get to work uncovering who exactly the keto diet is for. Believe it or not, there are only two camps of people who it's suited to. Chances are you're not in either of those camps. The difference between keto and low-carb And why keto may in fact be preventing you from reaching your health and fitness goals. You will absolutely be kicking yourself if you miss this. Make sure you do listen and give Sam a good follow on the old Instagram. So please enjoy and be prepared to take notes. You're going to learn a lot. Thanks for taking the time to discuss all things keto with me. I'm just going to go back to our questions. Keto diet, what exactly do people refer to when they talk about keto? Most people won't even know what that means, right?
0: Yeah, and, and for that reason, a lot of people do it wrong as well. So keto basically refers to any diet that has less than 50 grams of net carbohydrates per day, okay. which basically the body is going to produce what we call ketone bodies. So that's okay. where keto comes from is, it, is the fuel that your body produces when you're having less than that 50 grams of carbohydrate a day
1: and you said net carbs so what does that mean sam what's the difference between net carbs and what else is there
0: the amount of carbs you eat is mitigated by how much fiber you're also having so if you're having a lot of fiber in your diet you don't absorb the total amount of carbohydrates so Mm -hmm. that net refers to the actual amount of carbohydrate you absorb
1: okay so for example if you were to eat 200 grams of rice, for example, and that's going to contain a certain number of carbohydrates per 100 grams, your body isn't going to absorb all of that because some of that's going to come from fiber. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, exactly, because the fiber stays in our gut and makes up our stools and things like that. It doesn't actually absorb right. into
1: Okay, okay. So, like, uh, strictly speaking, a, a quote-unquote keto diet, which no one can actually define for themselves, is less than 50 net grams of carbs per day.
0: Yes. Gotcha. So, and most people, like when they do it, or when they try and do it, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll be around at 20, 30 grams is what they aim for. Okay. There's, it's to do with percentages as well though. So basically if you're working with a, let's say you're working with a 2000 calorie diet, you'll be having about 25 grams come from carbohydrates, which is about 5% of your diet. You'll mm-hmm. have about 125 coming from protein, which is about you know, um, 25% of your diet. And then you'll have the rest coming from fat.
1: So it sounds as though that's a large proportion coming from fat.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that is, <laughs> like and the and this is the one things I see done wrong all the time online mm-hmm. is people will eat mm-hmm. very high protein in their quote unquote keto diet, mm-hmm. and the problem with that is that proteins have a carbohydrate tail, so your body is very good at finding carbohydrates, even in foods that we don't think of as carbohydrates. So if you're eating very, very low carb but you're eating very high protein, your mm. body's gonna actually put that protein into a nitrate tail and a carbohydrate tail
1: and use the carbs from your protein. So people are maybe not as much in a, a keto style diet as what they think they are.
0: A lot of the time, yeah, a lot of the time they are just in a low-carb diet, which there's nothing wrong with that. Really, the only way to know if you're in a keto diet is to test what's going mm-hmm. on, like through like, urine samples, there's a lot of those keto tests you can buy, mm-hmm. but they're only accurate for the first like couple of weeks that you're in keto, and then they stop being accurate. And the reason that is, is because basically you pee out ketone bodies, and yeah. when you first go into ketosis, you pee out a lot of them, because your body's not used to using them as fuel, mm-hmm. but as your days keto longer your body gets better at using them as fuel because that's the only fuel it's got has so less of them and so people who have been successfully keto for a long time sometimes use those test strips and go i'm not in ketosis anymore i'm like no you definitely are (laughs) like like not peeing out its fuel anymore
1: yes so more of that is staying in the body to be used rather than being excreted yeah and so you mentioned that when someone is on a keto style diet, the body produces ketones. What exactly yes. is a ketone?
0: So, a ketone is essentially a part, as a fuel source that your body can make from fats gotcha. rather than from carbohydrates. So, when we make fuel sources from carbohydrates, that's glucose. And yes. specifically, our brain and our nervous system run only on glucose. That is their primary yep. goal, to run on glucose. And if we don't put enough glucose into our body, we have to have a backup mechanism for that. So if you think back to when we were cavemen, like yeah. if we were famine or we you know, ran out of food, mm. we would burn our own fat that we had. Mm-hmm. Our own body fat stores, and they would, and that burning of our own body fat would produce these ketone bodies, so that we could survive while there was no food. And this is essentially what people are emulating in a um, keto diet, mm-hmm. is because they're only putting fats back in. Fats are the only fuel the body's going to have.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, in terms of a keto-style diet, it seems to be in vogue, very fashionable to avoid carbs like they're the devil. The keto. She's like, mm-hmm, we could go into that. Love me a rant. Is the keto diet actually suitable for anybody? And if so, who would that be?
0: So there's basically two legitimate conversations about keto that I'm happy to entertain with people. Mm-hmm. Um, one is anyone with a history of epilepsy. So okay. there's some reasonable research around like, whether it can pr- reduce symptoms. Again, a lot of it's in only a couple of people. Like It's small sample studies. It's mm-hmm. very new research. A lot mm-hmm. of the stuff is very rudimentary and early, so we don't know the full long-term effects from it. But we do mm-hmm. know that there are some people who have really severe epilepsy that have been getting benefits from being on a keto diet. So they're getting less right. symptoms from their so, and that's all to do with the brain. Like, obviously that's to do with yeah. the fact that we're using a fuel source in the brain. It's all to do with our brain. Mm-hmm. So that's the more kind of recent, more kind of fun one. The other one is the one that everyone's heard of before, which yeah. is Optifast. Mm-hmm. So people have heard of Optifast before. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it is the requirement, if you are going to have any kind of bariatric surgery, to go on these really very low calorie diets, which what they call VLCDs, very, mm-hmm. low, very low calorie diets and they are designed they're keto so people drop a lot of weight in a short period of time mm-hmm. but they're actually not there for that what they actually do is so your liver is your biggest source of like glucose in your body that's where we store most of it
1: right, right when right. we
0: when we go into keto obviously we use up all our glucose that's sitting in our body first before anything else mm-hmm. and your liver gets smaller so you they actually it actually shrinks the liver wow. and if you're going For bariatric surgery, we want the liver shrunk because your stomach sits behind it and it makes it easier to access the stomach to do gastric sleeve or gastric banding or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. it's actually not weight loss or the anything that keto does. It's Mm. just pure shrinks the liver. And so we can get access to the stomach. And they're not meant to stay on it full time. Like then they're definitely meant to go back into a normal diet post their bariatric surgery but those are the only two medical examples and real clinical examples where it is indicated that keto might be a good idea
1: sure so for the purpose of surgery it can be safer for people who are looking to get like lap band surgery gastric sleeve surgery and because it makes the procedure safer by shrinking the the liver you were saying
0: yeah yeah it basically moves the liver around so it's not okay right assess the stomach and do all the surgery things they need to do to the stomach.
1: And that's just a short term thing you mentioned. It's just a short term thing for the purpose of the surgery and then returning to a normal quote unquote diet with normal amounts of carbohydrates thereafter.
0: Absolutely. Uh, The entire OptiFast kind of like, you know, design was always that you're in, three different sections and you transfer through to the three sections. The first Mm -hmm. one's the only one that you're keto. The next one you start having carbs again. The next one you have even more carbs. So it was never designed as a long-term plan. Just Mm. something really short surgery better.
1: Got you. So there's only really two audiences of people who are going to potentially benefit from being in like a strictly speaking keto style diet.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and medically and clinically we see this over and over again, mainly because – With any diet where you're cutting out a lot of food groups, Mm. you're going to see deficiencies. You're going to see micronutrient deficiencies. You're going to see just generally people not functioning well because we're not putting the things in our body that we were meant to put into our body on a regular basis.
1: Yeah. So I was going to um, lead that into the next question being, if there's only two bodies of people, two audiences of people who are suited to this... Then what are the risks that we run of being on a keto-style diet? If we aren't you know, looking to have bariatric surgery and if we're not epileptic, what could come of that? So you mentioned nutritional deficiencies. We know that the brain is a big consumer of glycogen. What does that mean when it comes to like, cognitive function?
0: This is really interesting, this one, because there's definitely different phases for people. Some people find it like that they get headaches straight away, that they get mm. lethargic. Some, some people find it goes away and the reason is that like we can run off ketones it's just not our body's favorite thing so there's a reason that when people who are doing a keto diet if they have a blowout and have carbohydrates their body immediately goes back to using carbohydrates as fuel because mm. that's the fuel source it's where it's how we're wired Yeah. So, like, yeah, there's definitely like brain fog that can happen. And again, this is not everyone, but I've definitely like had clients that have had this and I've spoken to clients that have been like this, but it's more the blood work. It's more things like low sodium, low potassium, low magnesium, low calcium, mm. low, fever, low iron, low vitamin D, vitamin K, fiber, probiotics, omega-3, wow. selenium, all these like really important nutrients, which for some, it might just lower your metabolism. So an easy one there is selenium. So selenium is mm-hmm. really good for our thyroid. Mm-hmm. Thyroid doesn't get it doesn't work as well and therefore we lower our metabolism. Wow. But things like sodium and potassium are related to our heart. Like, yeah. people get a heartbeats, people get, <sighs> you know, like they get an arrhythmia. There's all these kind of long-term negative effects because we need these minerals in our diet and then we're not getting them from, we're not going to get them from the meats, we're not going to get them from the fats because we're only having a small portion of meat, the rest is fats.
1: Yes. And um, I'm like just thinking out loud, because I know that potassium and sodium and calcium, magnesium, which you mentioned, also electrolytes, which when you live on the equator, which I do, and or if you're very active and especially active outside, you sweat obviously more, you lose things at a faster rate, they need to be replenished at a a faster turnover. So if you're not getting electrolytes, which a lot of people aren't anyway, is it fair to say that a lot of people are deficient in things like magnesium? And then lactose oh, intolerance yes. being very prevalent, especially in Asia, a lot of people just aren't consuming dairy or not from, yeah, unconsuming dairy, obviously lactose intolerance. So they're probably not getting high concentrations of calcium. That is going to have negative health implications too.
0: Absolutely. We see people get uh, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, but like weakness and like mm. numbness. And confusion. We see, because again, like all these functions in the body are just being limited, especially if you're losing them at a higher rate, like you said, if you live on the equator. It's just going to be worse. It's like being severely dehydrated because we're just not having that salts in our body either.
1: Yes. Which a lot of people don't drink enough water anyway. I mean, if you, for example, I was just having this conversation the other day with someone. I was like, if you drink like one and a half liters of water in a day, but you go for a run outside and you lose a liter you've only really consumed 500 ml.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The general rule of thumb I use with clients for hydration is, let's say, yeah, you go for a run and you weigh yourself before, weigh yourself after. Let's say you're a kilo difference, make the maths yeah. easy. Yeah. You need to actually replace not, so if, for every kilo, it's a thousand mils or a liter of yeah. water. That's, that, that's the conversion. But you actually need to replace 1.5. So you actually mm. need to relate... 1.5 whatever you lose just yeah. to get back to baseline so if you go for mm. a run in the, middle of the day and lose two liters you've got to drink three just to be back to normal hydration
1: <laughs> so we're really not only not consuming anywhere near enough what we need but also then if we have things like low magnesium levels and potassium and and sodium and calcium and then that's exacerbated by a keto diet we're really shooting ourselves in the foot and not really moving the needle when it comes to getting quote unquote fit and toned, which is what every other person is looking to achieve with their health and fitness.
0: And this is the biggest thing around it is that you lose your top gear. So if you're someone who's doing any kind of training, yeah, you'll be able to go for a long walk on keto. You'll absolutely be able to do that. You'll be able to do a low intensity gym session. But if you're looking for any high intensity work, if you're looking for any kind of real kind of pushing yourself. If you're looking to go for a strong run and doing PBs and things like that, yeah. it's, it's not going to happen because you don't, have the fuel in your body to go fast. Your body literally puts a rate limiting factor on it and just stops you from going fast because yeah. it do, you can't yeah. burn fats at a high rate. That, that's the that's right. limiting factor, a physiology thing. We cannot burn fats at a high rate in our body. They burn at a very particular rate and that is the rate at which you're gonna get energy, which is the rate at which you're gonna be able to perform. So carbohydrates burn really quick. They come into our body, we're ready to use them immediately. Fats yeah. just take time and there's nothing wrong <laughs> with that but you're not going to get any performance out of that. And so if you're not training as intensely as you were, because you're on keto, you're missing a bunch of good micronutrients. You're dehydrated all the time. And then if you look at the research, like we see higher rates of C-reactive protein, which is an inflammation marker. Wow. Things like, like high levels of LDL, which is our sort of our our bad cholesterol. Like we're seeing all these other health risks. Like you're not going to get fit and tone from this. This is not, you'll get a, it's just, that's not how our body works. We, Think of people in famine, that's not fit and toned, that's survival. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing you're employing on your body. You're employing yes. a famine. You're employing like the same thing that we would have had if we had three months without food. Mm. not too much weight in that because we didn't know when our next meal
1: would be. <laughs> yes. Isn't it funny that like in a world of so much abundance, we're almost inadvertently re- replicating famine. We're almost replicating like the opposite to what the, our reality is.
0: Yeah. And it, it, it's just crazy. Like, ketosis is definitely something that was like, it's a really important mechanism in our body. It's there for when we're starving. Mm. That is it. Like, <laughs> that is the reason that it exists. Yeah. It's for when there's no food.
1: When there's no food, that's when we should entertain ketosis people. No other time is that acceptable. So what you're exactly. saying is um, glycogen, and I say this to people as well. I'm like, Your body actually prefers carbs. It's more accessible, right? It's easy for the body to use carbohydrates. And that's why, as you mentioned, the only time we're meant to be in ketosis is if we're like starving. So is it fair to say that things like, because this seems to be a common trend that I see, a keto style diet with a high intensity interval training workout regimen is just a recipe for disaster.
0: Oh yeah. You're not going to be, you're not going to be able to perform. You're going to like, you literally not going to be able to perform at the intensity in which you want to perform and you're going to get more dehydrated and you're going to put your heart at risk and you're going to be low on all these vitamins and minerals. Like it is literally the worst combination. It'd be like (laughs) talking about doing, it'd be like asking a vegan to then have a meat based diet. Like they're just, they're polar opposites. Yes. Yeah.
1: They just don't (laughs) work together. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It just makes me laugh a little bit more about certain conversations I've had with people and in terms of fueling ourselves sufficiently with carbohydrates, so for people who yeah. do want to get more out of their workouts, who do want to get fit and toned, who are starting to think, okay, maybe I shouldn't be keto. Are there any like guidelines surrounding carbohydrate intake in terms of like grams per kilo of body weight or grams per you know, hour of exercise?
0: There's a lot of... It really super depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. If people are trying to... Drop weight, carbohydrates normally the thing that I'll play around with. So I'll play yeah. around with the amount of carbohydrate they're having. But mm-hmm. as a, if you're, let's say, eating a lower carb kind of style diet, especially if yeah. that's what you prefer, you need your carbs before and after training. So you need them just before to perk you up and you need yeah. them just after to refuel you. And if that's the only time you have carbs in the day, you're still going to get results from that. And if you're gotcha. someone who's a bit anti carb, they're the best times in the day to do that so
1: before and after exercise and is there a preferred source of carbohydrates because we talk about like low gi versus high gi we talk about simple sugars versus more complex carbs what are your um takes on that and guidelines surrounding that
0: basically before training you'll want to have a high gi carbohydrate because Mm -hmm. you want it to get it really quickly that's all high GI that spikes our blood sugar really quickly
1: after training
0: low GI will fill us up and it'll like slowly drip feed that carbohydrate back to our muscles, back to our tissues. So that's when you can go with your more low GI. What's interesting with the low GI and the high GI stuff is that it's very much mitigated by what you eat with that. So Mm. if you have a high GI food by itself, yep, will absolutely spike your blood sugar. But if you have a high GI food with some protein, or a high GI food with some fats, it will actually slow down that whole process and you don't get that same GI bump. So before training, high GI food just by itself, perfect. And after training, any kind of carbohydrate, as long as you're probably pairing it with a protein source as well to help with muscle repair, that will be lower GI, just in and of the fact it's carbs and protein.
1: Got you, so maybe a suggestion pre-training for people who can eat something before training and not feel completely sick, would be something like because some people really prefer an empty stomach and that's just a better fit for them i really believe that would be like maybe a fruit juice or like a banana maybe some watermelon something like really on the sweeter side of the fruit spectrum yeah
0: um absolutely yeah so definitely yeah your your fruits are a really easy way to go fruit juice is a great one but even things like veggie juices are good because they're still Mm going to have like a lot of juices are veggie and fruit combined so they're quite good and if you're not a sweets person before training like the idea of having something sweet before training just makes you want to gag even like rice and things like that just nibbling on like a row of them is Mm -hmm. really easy they settle the stomach really easy but they're also going to have that same effect and it's more savory so
1: what about something like i'm just thinking out loud something like white bread or even banana bread before training as something that's a Ah. little bit sweeter Ah. but it's going to sit in the stomach okay
0: yeah, absolutely, and okay. yeah, it, um, yeah. White breads are great, banana breads are great, honey sandwiches are great. Like, yes. just all we want to do before training is just like spike up that blood sugar because yes. that prep your body to be ready to go as hard as it can for however awesome. long that training session. is. And so you're going to get the most out of that training session. You're gonna, that's when you're going to hit the PBs. That's when you're going to you know hit the heavier weights or do the extra set. Like when you're well primed for it, that's when that's going to be able to happen.
1: Yes. Awesome. And then after you're suggesting something on the, the lower end of the GI spectrum, so maybe it's some like whole wheat pasta, maybe some brown rice, black rice, maybe like pearl barley, rolled oats, yeah. and combining that with a source of protein to help the body kind of repair all the little, the micro tears that we've put in the, the muscles as well.
0: Absolutely. And I would normally encourage most of my clients to try and eat their main meal or one of their main meals after their training session. And then like just adding an extra carb serving if they happen to have trained before that meal. So it's their normal main meal, but they just add an extra carb serve if they happen to train before that meal.
1: Got you. So that's a pretty like simple, straightforward advice. So like really something sweet, a high GI before training, and roughly how long, Sam, because if that's going to be used quickly by the body, we probably don't want to eat too long before the actual session.
0: No, generally within that sort of 30 to 60 minutes is what you want. That, that's like right in that sweet spot. Some people, like, especially if food's a little bit of an issue before you, before training, try and start at that 60 minutes before rather than the yeah. 30. But like if you're getting up early for a training session, you're going to get up an extra hour early, so you uh-huh. might be
1: nice instead. No? So then I just eat the banana on the way to the gym.
0: Exactly. And a lot of this is trial and error. Your gut is like very muscular, like all your muscles. Mm -hmm. So first time you try something, it's not the only time you're going to try it. Might try it a little bit the first time and go, Hey, that sat pretty well. Or I'm not sure I'll try that again tomorrow, but if it still doesn't sit tomorrow, I'm probably not going to stick with it. So always give things a couple of goes and your body will get better at it. So if you're someone who has no food before training right now, liquids are your friends. Juices and stuff like that are the easiest thing for our body to absorb. Mm -hmm. And then make your way up to more solid foods
1: Gotcha, because liquids are pre-digested in a sense it's already broken yeah. down
0: yeah we don't have to chew them and we don't have to break them down in our stomach at all they're literally ready to go straight into our system
1: yeah awesome so main takeaway for gen pop who want to get like fit and toned carbs are your friend eat more carbs eat really simple sugar high gi carbs before training 30 to 60 minutes and something on the lower end of the spectrum. Combine it with a protein source after training. How far after training would you suggest refueling?
0: This is becomes um, very individual. If you're training, if you're not training again for another 24 hours, like you're a once-a-day training, you're not training yeah. again till the next day. If you struggle after training to eat, maybe because of the heat, or maybe because it's just your stomach doesn't feel good, you yeah. can wait a couple of hours. Like it's not necessary to eat right then and there, especially mm-hmm. if you're trying to cut lose fat the only time we need to eat within that kind of one hour after training is if you're training again that afternoon. So if you're training again, we that's need to true. get the fuel in as quickly as possible, or yeah. if you're someone that's trying to put massive muscle gain. So if you're like someone who's trying to like bulk, obviously mm-hmm. we're trying to get the food in as often as possible. But if you're someone that really struggles, as long as you're getting enough food in the 24 hours after your training session, it doesn't need to be immediately after your session.
1: Okay. So it's okay. if like maybe three hours elapse before you have the next meal.
0: Yeah, I, if it was going to be three hours, I'd be like, I'd be maybe suggesting like a light protein shake or something like that directly after, just so you don't get brain fog at work or you don't mm-hmm. get a little bit of a blood sugar perspective. But if, especially if sitting down to a big meal after the gym is the last thing you want and it feels disgusting, yeah. then yeah, you, you put off that main meal if it, if, as long as you're getting that food in at some point in the day.
1: Got you. Okay. So it's more about what you consume in the whole 24 hours if you're in the training once a day as opposed to twice. Or if you're like a figure athlete or a bodybuilder who's really trying to put on that mass.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Or Sam. Sam, this has been incredibly informative. I cannot wait to drop these three bombs on the on the world. We will have your details attached to this podcast so people can connect with you directly. And we'll have a little intro done up for you so people can reach out and learn more. But thank you so much for this. I'm gonna find the next topic for us to discuss and we'll, you know, discuss the truth behind nutrition. So, we can continue to oh. educate the masses. But yeah, and I'll send you a copy too. So, thank you so much for this. This has been incredible. And I know a lot of people are going to learn a lot from this episode.
0: No, that's amazing. It's my pleasure. Absolutely um, awesome to talk to you.
1: Oh, thanks, Sam. We take care, and we will be in touch very soon to discuss more. Guys, that's it. That's a wrap. That's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Real Talk with Your gal Pal. That's me, Laura Rogers. Please be sure to leave us a review. Give us your feedback on what else you would like me to talk about. I always want to deliver content on things that excite you and they're going to benefit you in your health and fitness journey. So do give us a review before you forget. I know you're busy. I've got to run off and record another episode. Do check us out on the other social media platforms listed below as well, because you might just like what you see or hear there. So, you know, be sure to do that. I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. And again, please leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. It would mean the absolute world to me. Stay healthy